News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. Welcome to FAQ NYC. My name is Alex Brooklyn, and I'm here with Katie Honan of The City. Hey, Alex. How are you? I'm pretty good. This episode is recorded from my bathroom because my son is napping and a weird like broom closet slash press room in City Hall. Yeah, I'm in like the closet next to inside room 4A, which is like the basement spillover um, of City Hall, which by the way, like now that there's so few reporters, it's just where like the cops hang out and New York one, but the cops. So I'm surrounded by movie boxes inner circle paraphernalia like from the 1991 inner circle and like the notebooks and notes of reporters who used to work here like there's like a box of maggie haberman stuff a box of ben smith stuff if any one of them are listening all your stuff is here i'm happy to <laughs> go help get your stuff ben. go get your <laughs> maggie stuff we're just gonna we're gonna talk a little about what's going on we don't have a guest this is a, a short it's gonna be a shorter episode um and we wanted to just like us talk about what's been going on since we last spoke a week ago in Eric Adams is New York. It is, there's a lot going on. A lot. There's a lot popping. Seven days. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot happening in Eric Adams, New York. Um, so your reporting has been fantastic. So could you walk us through a few things that happened this week? Uh, let's start with, let's start with his appointments. I mean, one could say his problematic appointments. Um, yeah. Uh, three, three in particular appointments who, um, Fernando Cabrera, who had initially reported to be the head of Thrive, the city's mental health agency um, or initiative. Um, there's a, Once it was reported, there was a lot of blowback from that. So now he's actually going to be taking on a faith-based role. There's another pastor um, from Brooklyn who has, and Fernando Cabrera had um, at one point, you know, expressed support of the country of Uganda, which were murdering people who were gay. Um is that and, all, was that the major concern with him? And the major criticism was the, was the quote about supporting Uganda? Yeah. And, you know, I, people were just concerned. I mean, I guess also like what experience did he have to run Thrive initially? Um, I guess you could say what experience did Shirlane McRae, the former first lady have, but that was that. Um, oh, just real quick. It's yeah. interesting because when I remember back to all the debates, it's true that Eric Adams was one of the only candidates that said that he was not a hundred percent ready to completely dismantle Thrive. And he has not. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, the other uh, appointment that was very controversial was this uh, Brooklyn based pastor, um, Guilford Monrose, who had also made anti LGBTQ comments in interviews and on social media. And then myself and my colleague, Claudia Rosaria Ponte wrote about Eric Salgado, another reverend Brooklyn based pastor. He's a Spanish language ministry radio station, a longtime supporter of Eric Adams. He was already appointed as a deputy commissioner in the mayor's office of immigrant affairs, he's going to be working in outreach. So these are three hires. Two are in faith-based roles. And one is, is a pretty high up role in the mayor's office of immigrant affairs. Lots of controversy. There's a protest Thursday at city hall against it. Other groups, immigrant groups, LGBT groups uh, have requested that their jobs be rescinded. Um, Cabrera has denounced his views. Salgado in a statement said that he, his views had evolved. Um, and I will say, you know, Mayor Eric Adams has been a longtime ally uh, in action, right, of the LGBTQ community. He voted for gay marriage in 2011, which he said 
he said was to his political detriment. He shared an anecdote now twice of his brother-in-law said he could was could not come to his church because of that vote. Um, so, you know, he, he spoke about it this morning at an unrelated press conference. He spoke about it yesterday. He said, look, people can change and people can evolve. And a lot of people who support gay marriage now did not support it years ago. Um, and I think it's, it's part of a larger view that he has of, he said this about people who've been formerly incarcerated. He said this about other things where he wants us to be able to forgive people for things and views they've maybe had, things they've done and views they've had in the past. Um, you know, those critical of these appointments say what prove it to prove it to us that these people no longer have these views, you know, show us that they're supportive of the community, show us that they want to meet with us. The mayor has been criticized by, you know, Alan Roscoff, a president of the Jim Owls Democratic Club, for not um reaching out. Uh he <laughs> he was uh, he uninvited the mayor from his birthday party at Zero Bond last week, which I actually found kind of funny because now it's the intersection of like, I think that we should probably create a list of all the restaurants and clubs that will matter um, this during this administration. But yeah, so that, that's that been a controversial thing. Um, yeah, uh, who who was the appointee in the role of immigration? Uh, Reverend Eric Salgado. Reverend Eric Salgado. So did he release any kind of statement? Yeah, in his statement, he said that his views had evolved in the right. 11 years since he marched with Reverend Ruben Diaz Sr., another controversial pastor who Oof. has espoused anti-gay views, um, and, and they've evolved. But I mean, uh, right, because I mean, technically in that role, that could become extremely problematic. Well, and that's what a lot of people said. They said, look, a lot of immigrants come here because they're escaping persecution based on their sexuality in their home country. So to come here and possibly fear that in the agency that's supposed to help them, um, you could also question what kind of experience he's had within government to now have a deputy commissioner role. Um, so yeah, that was sort of a big story. Yeah. Um, I mean, so if he, he voted for uh, gay marriage in 2011, that puts him that puts him before Hillary Clinton actually comes out to support it. And at the time, is Eric Adams a Republican? He's a Democrat. And I think it's what makes it interesting. Right? And I think people sometimes I think people are human. Most humans are contradictory. Right. Like they might have relationships with people who they don't agree with. They might um, have longstanding friends who they don't align with politically at all. But then I guess you could ask, why would they get appointed to such high level positions? There's I think the overall question is in the judgment of who's getting these jobs. And it's clear that the mayor values like a lot of elected officials loyalty. So Cabrera and Salgado and Monroe have been longtime supporters of Eric Adams, the borough president, and now Eric Adams, the mayor. And it seems to be um, they're kind of cashing in, I guess. They're coming into the administration in, in, in higher level positions. Um, so I saw a video that you took on Twitter about, I'm not sure if she was a reporter, but a reporter kind of like coming up to him and confronting Eric Adams. That, yeah, that video was sent to me um, by someone in Jackson Heights and mm. it, she was just a resident who confronted him. And a, a lot of, you know, the clip where she was, I, I didn't think she was yelling. Um, she was asking him very forcefully, like, can you explain this? And the mayor said, you know, when you can speak to me like a human being, we can talk, which a lot of people did not appreciate his tone in that regard. Right. So I saw that clip. And the first thing that occurred to me as a, as a woman who's worked with men in media, um, <laughs> you get that, you get that, like, uh, are you saying something I don't like? I'm not, I don't like your tone. Like all of a sudden it's your tone yeah. and not what you're saying. Um, I corrected someone on Twitter 
uh, I think like a post op-ed guy about his definition of Kendra's loss. I'm like, actually, it doesn't mean what you think it means. He's like, I don't like your tone, but it's like, it's a behavioral blip. He didn't want to be confronted right then. But I also, I'm like, oof, I didn't like it. Press confrontation, press question. She's not a member of a press, but like a constituent question, a straight up question and just like a complete deflection. So, you know, that that's an interesting video to watch. um, And I wonder what's going to come in the future and how we're going to deal with how Eric Adams relationship is going to be with the press in these coming years. Well, we saw it, you know, sorry, we saw it last week and you know, he was critical of the um, predominantly white press corps, um, very critical of what I found pretty benign coverage of, um, we didn't even talk about this last week, but what I found pretty benign coverage of his trip up to Albany uh, and went on um, what was called a rant complaining about the lack of representation of people of color in the press corps and how he felt that it affected the coverage. I disagree with the coverage I found was completely fair, but we are mostly white press corps. And, um, you know, later in the week, he was re- confronted by a reporter uh, who <laughs> said he called us racist, which isn't what he called us. And I think that seemed to me, I we are a predominantly white press corps and that is a problem. And I, we should be able to openly speak about that and talk about ways to improve it and actually diversify our press and how it's going to cover the city, which is incredibly diverse. But yeah, it was it was last week. You know, that was sort of the two stories of it where he unfairly, I think, criticized fair coverage of him and said it was because, you know, of he's black and most of the reporters. And when he was speaking, all the reporters in the room were white. And but then on the other hand, a reporter confronting him about it, I, I feel kind of just proved the mayor's point. Um, right. I'm not understanding what he's saying. The coverage, I would agree, is has been fair and not um, racially influenced. However, it is it's like a huge countrywide issue. I remember I wanted to do a documentary on reporters from every major American city and uh, thought that it would be great. So as I'm calling these cities, I was so surprised as most of the premier and predominant reporters from the city papers were not only white, but also not from the city itself, which just really informed me on a lot of times like local press corps and some of the problems there. So yeah, it's, I think I think it's important to bring up, but he brought it up as a way to, again, to like deflect from coverage that he didn't like. Um, so some of the coverage that he didn't like, uh, what, what's been going on with some of Eric Adams' policies? Now, the cops have been invited back into the fold when it comes to interacting with homeless people. Um, uh, police and police unions in years past have complained that they are not medical professionals, they're not equipped to do this, and yet there has been some resistance to include like a like include and fund a wider variety of people that interact with homeless off the NYPD dime there was the EDP unit uh that had become all but dismantled um before thrive where police and social workers would go out together mm-hmm. um so that's kind of been interesting right the police were not going to have a lot of contact with homeless people under de Blasio last few years with de Blasio. And now they're back to offer people help and take them out of the subways because people are getting frightened in the subways. It's true that there are a lot of visibly mentally ill people in this city. Um, There are root causes that in my opinion, date back to Pataki. And I feel like a lot of the measures now are almost like an emergency stopgap that we see happen every 10 years that every 10 years that we don't have more hospital beds than that we 
warehouse people in Rikers and release them without a treatment plan. Now, I don't think that's what he's doing, but having the cops back involved in the fold, interacting with homeless individuals or people sleeping on the train, one does tend to worry. So where when you've been covering City Hall in the past few days, what have you been seeing around that issue? Well, you know, it started Monday, so that was the first day. And I, and I will say, obviously, it's just started and it's early on, but we still don't have a lot of data. Like, um, I think a handful of teams went out, but as reporters, we don't know exactly where they went, how many people they interacted with, and what happened to those people. Did some people need actual medical care? Were they sent to hospitals? Did some people just strictly need shelter? Um, it's it's early on, right? So we don't want to just be critical of something two to three days in, but I think we will want to know where what is happening to people who these teams are interacting with on the subways. Um, I, I will also note that um, the MTA announced today that they are piloting a program to put barricades up, um, which, you know, obviously after Michelle Goh was pushed in front of the train at Times Square last month, um, it's going to be at three stations, Times Square, barricades. Yeah. So Times Square, um, the Sixth Avenue L train, I think, and then Sutton Boulevard in Jamaica uh, and Jamaica Center. So that's another effort, I guess, to protect people on the subways. But yeah, I want, I, and I know other reporters would love more information. We'd love to even go out with some of these teams to see, because, you know, the MTA used to do this sort of outreach as well, just to see what this new approach from Mayor Adams looks like. Are they targeting specific subway stations? Do they have some strategy around the known stations where you may have more people who are sleeping there? And then also people are on the train, so they're always moving around as well. I mean, I think it's interesting because unlike Thrive or programs like that, that had to kind of come up with numbers <laughs> or did they, but uh, to justify themselves, uh, the NYPD can be a, can be a bit more opaque, um, yeah. to, to put it lightly. And so I think everyone just wants to know, uh, is there medical attention or is there a, a straight to shelter situation or are we dealing with an uh, like a a jail situation. Like, are we inviting um, an approach yeah. that then becomes fraught that then could land more people in jail than I think the city should be comfortable with, especially because again, these people have mental issues. Uh, they go to jail, they get out and they don't have a treatment plan and they're probably worse off, which then makes the rest of the city worse off in my opinion. Um, but I'm really interested in seeing yeah. how that how that goes and barricades. You know, nobody can say it's a good idea or a bad idea, but I think that what people aren't also aware of often is how many people are not pushing but jumping, um, because a lot of those people don't get their names in the paper because they're. It's just sort of a sad situation. It's not a usable political fact. So you're not going to have a police union talk about, you're not going to have the MTA, you're not going to have the mayor talk about suicides as much as you are going to have them talk about pushing as indicative of crime. Whereas both pushing and suicides are pretty much indicative of the kind of population that we've left out um, in the cold, so to speak, even though it's very warm these past few days, which I'm glad about because most people house themselves in the subway to stay warm in the winter. That was my rant yeah. for the day. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, I do want to bring up, well, before we go, I did want to bring up one other thing that the mayor said this morning that I think we'll, we'll be seeing um, in the coming weeks. He was asked directly if he would ever um, phase out or sunset the mask and vaccine requirement for businesses. And he said, yes, you know, he hopes to. Um, this is being done in other cities. 
Uh, I guess it signals some hope that, I don't know, there won't be any more variants or any other surges like we saw with Omicron or, or not as much Delta, but particularly with the Omicron surge. Um, so that is something that I think over the next few weeks, who knows if it'll be up to the business discretion. But yeah, we will see how that will play out in the next couple of weeks. And hopefully the numbers stay low and, can, and the infection infection rate continues to stay low. He said both masks and vaccines, because those seem like masks are like, all right, we'll release the masks. But the vaccine issue, that seems like a pretty yeah intense thing to promise. And I feel, you know, I don't know if some of these city employees in particular who lost their jobs for not getting the shot, they might think, wait a second. Right. So you're phasing this out anyway, but, you know, we can see how that plays out and that'll be in the next couple of weeks. I wonder if they'd have grounds to sue at that point. No, probably not. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm not a lawyer. I just talked to them. We I'm should, not one. <laughs> we, uh, we should get some lawyers. We should get some lawyers yeah. on this show. Alvin, <laughs> Alvin Bragg. We need, to, yeah. we need to ask you something. Um, all right. Well, again, thank you everyone for being a wonderful listener and always following with us. Thank you, Katie, so much for just laying some facts out and uh, we will be back next week with a longer, more plump episode full of delectable things for your ears. We like to take a little breather. We like to take a little, you know, I could have talked about celebrities or something too, but we will, we, we like to take it, make it, keep it tight. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm loving, uh, you know, the shout out to city as high school, which is my old high school that Julia Fox gave uh, in her interview in the cut. I'm really happy <laughs> that more people are looking at City as High School because I think it's a fantastic model. And um, next week, we'll hopefully be back, uh, you know, trying to make sense of some budget stuff and how that's going to play out. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye, Katie. Bye. Stay safe. See you guys next week. F-A-Q. FAQ NYC is a production of Racket Media and a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of independent journalists, artists, and critics. Find us at thebrick.house. We are headquartered at NYU's McSilver Institute for Poverty, Policy, and Research and recorded today in Manhattan in Alex's bathroom and a broom closet at Katie's job. Our executive producer is Alex Brooklyn and Adam Kamara mixed and edited today's episode. Be safe, be good, be smart. See you next week.